The view from Mulberry Street is very often very different from the view from Washington, D.C. And since we've been talking about the waterfront lately, uh, the Waterfront Commission of New York Harbor isn't the only regulatory agency that has stepped on toes uh, down in lower Manhattan on the waterfront through the years. There's a thing called the Business Integrity Commission, <laughs> which is not as bad as the Waterfront Commission, but just as arrogant. But more fearsome is the federal government itself. When I was a young lawyer, I started practicing in 1976. And um, by 1982, I was pretty well established. But one of my first cases, one of my first big federal cases was a case uh, concerning the Fulton Fish Market. The Fulton Fish Market, I guess, was an anachronism in the business world of 1982. Uh, I have to say it's true that most businesses down there uh, just dealt in cash. I guess a lot of them didn't pay taxes. And books and records were a thing unknown down in the Fulton Fish Market in the 70s and 80s and before that. In any event, the federal government, the Department of Justice, decided that they were going to marshal all of their resources, all of their resources, and they were going to march on the Fulton Fish Market, and they were going to clean up the Fulton Fish Market. And I'm not talking about the kind of crime that people are afraid of, you know, like we see today in the streets of New York City. The kind of crime that was going on down there was basically financial crime, basically tax evasion. Simple as that. Okay, but the federal government, being the federal government, they had to make it something a little bit more than it was. And the new recall law that I've explained to you on previous occasions allowed the federal government to make a mountain out of a molehill. And they went down there with an army of agents and an army of forensic uh, scientists with them, financial uh, geniuses, and uh, and they went down to the Fulton Fish Market in full battle array, dressed for war. And uh, the main target of the federal government was the local union. It was the, the, the union for the people who packed the fish into boxes and put the fish onto, onto trucks, and the federal government declared war against the fish market, all the owners, the union, and everybody else. In fact, their main target was a guy named Carmine Romano. Carmine Romano, someone known to me for many, many years, and one of the most beautiful people you could ever want to meet in any walk of life. Uh, he had legitimate businesses. He was a man who was successful. Uh, as a businessman, a regular businessman. Uh, yes, he was the president of the union down there. But the government claimed that he was part of, you know what, organized crime. So that belief turned everything he did into a crime, according to them. And they investigated Carmine Romano for years, up the kazoo, up the kazoo, and they couldn't find anything or anyone that would allow them to prosecute 
carmine romano, for anything. Eventually, the union, uh, as a matter of goodwill toward its members, had a practice of moving the union funds from bank to bank. Because back in those days, in the 70s and the 80s, the banks, when you open up a new account, would give you something like a gift, like a TV set. And so during the course of time, the union, uh, of which Carmine Romano was the president, they moved their funds from bank to bank and they, they accumulated about 50 television sets, okay? Television sets. And they didn't sell the television sets. And Carmine Romano didn't take the television sets home uh, to his den. The television sets were distributed to union members. But the government was up a tree. They didn't know what to do. They had spent millions of dollars down in the Fulton Fish Market trying to hang Carmine Romano. And so when they found this issue about the TV sets, they indicted Carmine Romano and the union and numerous other people. Okay. And they indicted them for Rico, meaning you could get 20 years. Okay. In addition, down in the Fulton fish market, there had been a practice for decades, who knows, maybe a century, where each owner of every fish house, of every, uh, Every business down there would contribute at Christmas time $300 to the union voluntarily. And in return for contributing $300 at Christmas time to the union's Christmas fund, they would receive a plaque, a plaque that said here, 1982, uh, ABC Fish Company has contributed to the Fisherman's Union. Okay, nobody thought there was anything wrong with that except for the United States Department of Justice and the FBI. And they said, oh, this is extortion. This is extortion. Okay, so they started to question all the people who are owners of fish companies down there. And they threatened the people who are owners of the fish businesses. And they said to them, I know this for a fact. I'm, I'm not making this up. All right. They said to them, if you can say that you were extorted by the union and by Carmen Romano and that you were forced to give $300 for Christmas time, then you won't have a problem with the United States government. And some of, some of the people might have gone along with that, but most of the people said, no, uh, I didn't do anything wrong. One of the people that the government pressured Turned out to be my client. He was an older man, retired. His name was John Chicarone. John, Chicar John Chicarone was the most legitimate guy you could ever want to meet. John Chicarone had nothing to do with organized crime, nothing to do with crime. He started as a little boy in the Fulton Fish Market, shining shoes. Eventually, he got a job doing what we call pushing a hand truck in the fish market. That means you load the crates filled with fish onto a hand truck and take it from one spot in the fish house into perhaps a truck to load it or unload it. And that's what John Chickaron did. He pushed a hand truck until he became a supervisor. 
And then eventually he became a manager. And eventually he became the manager of the entire business where he worked. And then at one point, his boss died and his boss's widow said to John Chickeron, John, I want you to run this place. And if you could run it, I'll give you the opportunity to buy in as a partner. And indeed, time passed, and John Chickeron bought into that fish house, that fish business, as a partner. And eventually, he bought the widow out when she wanted to go about her business. And later, he took in another partner, another totally legitimate guy. And these people ran their business well. They ran their business legitimately. They were beyond reproach. But when the FBI came to John Chickeron and asked him, if he had anything to do with the plaques. Remember the plaques that were given out every Christmas by the union to the owners who contributed $300? John Chickeron used to, on behalf of the union, go around to all the owners of the fish businesses, like him, other owners, and say, you know, I'm here to collect the 300 bucks. And for that, the government indicted him in a conspiracy, along with Carmine Romano, their target, the man that they said ran the fish market, okay, and they indicted John. And um, ultimately, uh, the case hadn't gone to trial. You know, we're waiting, doing our things as lawyers. And what happens is the United States attorney says to me, you know, uh, we want John Chickaron to cooperate with us. Uh, we're willing to give him a free ride if he will testify against Carmine Romano. And I said to them, I said, you know, he's got nothing bad to say about Carmine Romano. He's got nothing to cooperate with. And, you know, he's innocent of what you're charging him to do. He's voluntarily collecting this money. No one thinks there's anything wrong with giving the union a present for Christmas that's distributed among the men. And um, the prosecutor started to threaten me. and. Um, and said, you know, we think that you're here to protect Carmine Romano and that you don't give a hoot for John Chickaron. And uh, maybe we're going to make a motion to, to, to remove you as counsel. Well, anyhow, I talked to my client, John Chickaron, and I say, John, listen, I want you to do me a favor. I don't want you to talk to them, but I want you to listen to what they have to say because they're putting a lot of pressure on me, trying to throw me out of the case, because they say I'm stopping you from listening to their proposition. So John said, you know, Matt, I don't really want to talk to them, but I'll go down, I'll listen to them, just, you know, to end this problem. And so we go to a meeting at the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the assistant U.S. Attorney on the case, who I won't mention his name, not a nice man, he tells John Chickarone, you know, we know exactly who you are. We know that you started as a shoeshine boy. You, you used to push a hand truck. You worked your way up to manager. You worked your way up to owner. Now you're retired. You want to leave your business to your son. And the U.S. attorney said to John Chickaron, you have a choice now. You could cooperate with us against Carmine Romano. And you could keep your business and this case will be dismissed against you, or you could, you could remain in cahoots with Carmine Romano against the government of the United States. And in that case, we're going to try to send you to jail for 20 years. And then after that, uh, 
The RICO law enables us to give you 20 years. And the new forfeiture law allows the United States of America to take over your business. So your business is not going to be left to your sons and daughter. Your business is going to become property of the United States of America. So what is your choice? Which team do you want to be on? Do you want to be on Team America or do you want to continue being on Carmine Romano's team? So John said, I'd like to take a break and talk to my lawyer. We stepped outside and, and tears were coming out of John's eyes, not because he was afraid, but because he was angry. And he said, Matt, I want to give this guy, meaning the U.S. attorney, a piece of my mind. He said, I don't care how the chips fall and what it means, but I've got to tell this guy the truth of what I think of him. And I reluctantly said to John, okay, John, you know, it's your call. Go ahead. And John Chickerone, this old man, walks into the room, uh, dressed like a fish, a fish guy from the fish market, boots on. And he said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, he said, I've worked down in the Fulton fish market for a long time. He says, I shined the shoes of Joe Zox, Joe Lanza, who the government contends was the original big mafia guy in the fish market. And so John says, I shined, I shined Joe Zox's shoes. I shined Lucky Luciano's shoes. I shined Frank Costello's shoes. So I've met in the Fulton fish market hundreds of people that you call gangsters. And not one of those people ever put their hand in my pocket, took one dollar from me, ever threatened me. No one ever threatened me. No gangster ever threatened me. And now I, I'm here today in front of a United States attorney. Boy, I was nervous when I came here because to be sitting with a United States attorney, I thought, wow, that's something. But I want to tell you something, Mr. United States Attorney. You are worse than any gangster I have ever heard about or dreamed about because no one ever tried to talk to me the way you just talked to me. You know that I did nothing more but voluntarily collect $300 from all my co owners. And we all wanted to give the union $300 a year every Christmas. We did it for decades. And you want to tell me that under this RICO law that you're going to put me in jail for 20 years and you're telling me that you want me to testify against Carmen Romano when I don't know them doing anything wrong ever other than being just a nice guy and a gentleman. And John Chicarone looked at the U.S. attorney and he said, you can go and F yourself. And you can prosecute me and you could put me in jail for 20 years and you could take my business from my family, but I ain't never going to be on your team. I ain't never going to turn into what you are because you're just no good. And John, silence was in the room and John got up and we both walked out and we both had tears in our eyes. And I said to myself, wow, this legitimate guy is one heck of a tough guy. Well, let me tell you 
He wasn't the only person like that that I encountered down in the fish market, the Fulton fish market, the good old Fulton fish market on, on South Street. There was a thing called the Business Integrity Commission. And that Business Integrity Commission had to interview every person who worked in the Fulton fish market to approve them to be working there. And that meant from the porters who cleaned the toilet bowls to the owners of the businesses. If the Business Integrity Commission, which was originally part of the federal government and you know turned into uh, a, a an agency of New York City to regulate the Fulton fish market. You know, the Fulton fish market was regulated like Red China was regulated in the 50s. That's how this few blocks in New York City was not even part of the United States, according to the federal government and the city of New York. They regulated these people as if they were slaves. Uh, they regulated them uh, harsh, more harshly than in the Soviet Union and red China. It was crazy. So everybody who set foot in the Fulton fish market to work in any capacity had to be interviewed and grilled and grilled. Okay. And one of the guys who worked in the Fulton fish market was a Korean man, a young Korean man who had come an immigrant to Korea with his father and, um, and mother. And he started working at the Fulton fish market and eventually opened up his own business. And uh, he had to appear in front of the Business Integrity Commission. And they were uh, a New York City agency, but they had the authority of the federal government. In fact, a lot of the people who worked in that were ex-federal prosecutors and, and so on. You know, it was all a coordinated governmental effort to control this industry. All right. And... Um, Jay Kim, this Korean guy, you know, he don't know anybody. And he, I walk in with him and his lawyer and they start showing him pictures. And they're showing him pictures of Albert Anastasia and uh, uh, Paul Castellano and uh, John Gotti and uh, uh, Joe Bonanno and Joe Profaci. And uh, they showed this Korean guy maybe 150 pictures of so-called gangsters. And, you know, he didn't know any of them. And he just answered like a normal person. No, 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 no. Then they started showing him pictures of people who were in the fish market, people who had worked in the fish market, people who were around the fish market. Uh, have you ever seen this guy? Uh, Little Mo, President Zanoli. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's from the, he owns the bar on the corner. Uh, do you know? Do you know Carmine Romano? Yes, of course I know Carmine Romano. He was the president of the union. He went to jail. Uh, do you know his brother, Peter Romano? Yes, I know Peter Romano. Peter's my partner in the business we have now. And they started grilling this guy about whether Peter had extorted him uh, to be part of his business. And this guy's starting to get angry, Mr. J. Kim. He's a Korean man. And he says to them, listen, you. He says, Peter didn't extort me. Peter took me off the street. I was pushing a hand truck and he taught me how to manage a business. And he made me a partner in the business he was in. And we both worked in this business. And when Peter got sick and got a heart attack, I took over the entire business. Do I give him a salary? Of course I give him a salary. He's sick. He can't work anymore. Do I get medical insurance? Well, certainly. If he, if, if he dies, I give his wife half the business. He said, we're partners in this business. I don't know what you think he is. 
And I don't know what you think about his brother. I know his brother went to jail and his brother came out of jail. I know Peter's a legitimate guy in my eyes. And you have no right to keep asking me these questions. And they got a little rough with this Korean gentleman. And so, no, you sit down, Mr. Kim. You guys. And he, 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 he ripped off. The, everybody in the Fulton Fish Market had an ID with a chain around their neck, like they were dogs, you know. And Mr. Kim rips off the chain, throws it at the investigator. And he says to him, my family and I came to this country from Korea to live a life of freedom in America. This is America. And my father opened the fish store. And my father used to be serviced by Peter Romano. And Peter Romano gave me a job in the fish market. And Peter Romano made me his partner in this business. And now I'm a big businessman. I'm a successful businessman. Nobody ever bothered me. Everybody always did good for me, except for you people. You want to treat me like this? You want to talk to me this way? People aren't talked to this way in South Korea. He said, I had to come to America to re receive abuse. I will not be abused. I will not be questioned any longer. I have not committed any crimes. I don't know of anyone who's committed a crime. I have no information for you. And you can go to hell. And Mr. J. Kim, he stood up tall. He looked that day, he must have been about Five foot two, but to me, he looked like John Wayne. He, he stood up and he looked at them in disdain and he walked out of that room. And I said to myself, wow, wow, this is America. That guy, that Korean guy who came here for freedom and stuck up for his freedom today. <sighs> That's what America is all about, not the government taking over everyone, bullying everyone, putting in pe putting people in jail for many more years than they deserve, you know, always making a big deal. Oh, the mafia this, the mafia that. It's just a way for them to stay in business. They stay in business that way by perpetuating uh, their lies and, and abusing people. You know, it's bad enough when they want to go after the people that they say a part of organized crime. But when you start abusing legitimate citizens like John Chickarone and Jay Kim, that's when you've gone too far. And that's back in 1982. And I used to say way back then, if the government could do this to the people that they say are in the mafia, they'll eventually do it to anyone and everyone. And indeed, the RICO law has been used against businessmen, against churchmen, against all sorts of people have been prosecuted for RICO, including some of the legislators who voted for it, like Mario Biaggi, right? Mario Biaggi voted for the RICO Act. They used it against him because he went on vacation someplace and they crucified this guy. Mario Biaggi, the most honored uh, city policeman up to that time in history, and a guy who used to be endorsed for Congress by the Democrats, the Republicans, the conservatives, and the liberals. And yet, the government went after him. They went after him. And they, they used the RICO law against him. And he took a vacation. Meet Esposito. Meet Esposito, the district chief, the Brooklyn 
powerhouse of the Democrat Party. They used a RICO law against me, too. And they put two old men in jail for going on vacation. They got a free vacation. Oh, my God. This is when you've got too much power, you can bet that you're going to abuse it. And that's the view from Mulberry Street today. Thank you.